visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Hello and welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie So, and up this hour we have Ear to the Ground with Andrew Ryan. He'll bring you some very interesting sounds from Taiwan. And we have a new program for you called Just the Classics, bringing you some wonderful music from Taiwan. But first join us for Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Wednesday, May 6th, and in the studio we have John Van Trieste. Hi there. And I am Natalie So. We'll be talking about inauguration souvenirs and stopping speeding with a smile. And Taiwan's newest citizens and a python discovered on the street. Those stories and more coming right up. So the inauguration is coming up. It's on May 20th. Indeed. And I believe that um, President Tsai isn't going to hold a major public event, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit muted this year. I don't know if, what the final details are, but I heard that they were going to talk about it and probably would, you know. Not make tell... a big, uh, mass event out of yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's her second term. so Right. Also because of the pandemic. Even though Taiwan, I mean... Is doing quite well. We haven't had domestic cases in over two weeks. We don't want to blow that. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And she wants to set an example, too. So she's probably going to do something um, very, fairly simple and indoors. Low key. And I think that's her style, honestly. She's not a very flashy. She's a a person who gets stuff done rather than makes a show of it. That's right. And we got some souvenirs for this occasion, though, right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember when she first was inaugurated, when her first term started, there was a whole bunch of stuff that came out with her likeness on it. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Taiwan beer is the one that sticks in my mind because oh. it was a very cute, like, pixelated cartoon of her. Right. 8-bit. Um, and nice. Actually, uh, they're coming out with another sort of a Taiwan beer, it looks like, design. I'm sorry, Taiwan beer ale. So I'm not sure what one of their sub-brands, I suppose. And Omar Single Malt Whiskey. I don't think of Taiwan as... Well, I don't know, actually. If so, I, so all these drinks, yeah, I don't are know coming out with souvenirs. Why? Uh, that that seems to be a thing that goes back a while, though. So, what are the souvenirs? Um, so they 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 show designs of her and Lai Lai Tinda William Lai, who is going to be her new vice president. Our current one is not going to follow her into her second term. And they're star- they're wearing white shirts and looking up at the sky with a smile. The designer, who is named Aaron Ye, a Taiwanese graphic designer, says the idea is to showcase that government officials are friendly, and he says they are normal people just like us. There's also going to be a series of more abstract stamps out there for stamp collectors they're a bit difficult to describe um it's sort of abstract art i guess it but, doesn't have her uh, likeness on it uh, no but um so anyway the story is this is also by the same designer by the way that they've drawn their inspiration from anti-authoritarianism and that's something that's very a big theme of uh Tsai's administration she wants to have what they call transitional justice looking back at taiwan's not the not so bright spots of our past and making amends and so that's what the artistic inspiration is so 
um, they're also going to be launching there. Uh, and That's an interesting theme. Uh, yeah, I'm curious what those images are. Yeah, um, it says that the idea is to highlight the courage and confidence of the Taiwanese people in the face of adversity, which we haven't had too much of lately, but in, I'm sure people of older generations certainly have been through a lot. Uh, well, we, there's always China kind of breathing <laughs> down our back. Oh, you know. <laughs> so uh, that's it's not quite the panoply of stuff that you could buy last time when last time around Mm. four years ago but you know like i said it's going to be a low-key sort of event and i think hopefully we can look forward to four more years of stability right and i think she's been doing a great job um with this pandemic handle on the tiller everybody is very pleased with how the government has been handling uh, COVID 19 so we feel. I think we feel like we elected the reelected the right person. And you know, if you if you feel like you're missing out, you can always go online. There's all sorts of people have photoshopped her and all kinds of like. Uh, there's a Star Wars one. Did you see? Oh, May the 4th I think so. Be with you. Oh, yeah. And she's been depicted as Yoda before, sort of right. a wise. I think I remember that elder states person. I don't know. So. There's all sorts of stuff you can find. If right, you feel a lot like, of fun images of yeah. our president, which is who is the first female president of Taiwan. It's yeah. quite exciting. And she's very, I think, very easygoing about these sorts of things. She's not the person to be upset about a caricature. <laughs> right. And she's not really, she has a very simple style, too. Mm. She usually wears very plain color suits that, you know, aren't flashy. Right. I mean, they're like gray and and what dark blue she's been compared and i i don't think unjustly to angela merkel she's sort of a uh, right more of a no nonsense kind of yeah uh, she, get, she doesn't she doesn't she's not into fashion i would she's say she's not into loud ex, you know um she doesn't wear red or yellow or, or pink or, yeah. <laughs> speak softly and carry a big stitch she does get stuff done you know right that's what we like so, so it is interesting. I mean, people, uh, female leaders sometimes, um, you know, people will comment on their style a little think, bit more than men do. But I think that's really necessary. But it's not that necessary. That's not, not what that you important. elect them for. That's true. That's so what, that's what, she that's has what a very simple style, but she's actually quite close to the people, you yeah. know. I mean, she tries to be, and especially to young people. She's mm. appeared on a lot of uh, famous YouTuber channels and, and, and just tries to be, um, you know, close to the average person. She definitely hasn't let it get, get, to, get to her head. She's very down to earth sort of person. Yeah. So we're very happy um, with how she's been taking care of us during this pandemic. This whole thing, thank goodness. Thank God. Mm. Well, I want to tell you about a big uh, internet campaign that the United States started on Taiwan's behalf. Oh. It's actually called Tweet for Taiwan. And this was started by the U.S. State Department. That's interesting. Yeah, they started this Friday, and it's basically a countdown to the World Health Assembly, which meets on May 18th, the middle mm-hmm. of this month. Taiwan. Ever since President Tsai came to power, actually, we have been blocked from participating. We have participated for eight years as an observer um, under Mao Zedong's administration. And then that ended. <laughs> that ended with President Tsai. And, you know, especially with the current pandemic, you know, Taiwan doing so well and wanting to share its experience, even wanting to warn the WHO, you know, uh, way back in December. Um, people have noted that Taiwan should be at the table at yeah. these discussions. And, you know, I have to say, if I was in their position, I wouldn't be so high-minded about it. I would have been like, well, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're really... Being very, I don't know, I guess high-minded, I guess is the only word well, for yeah, it. Taiwan has been still very friendly to the WHO. We're not like mad at no. them or anything. We just want to be a part of it. And we give masks out to people who... Right. We're trying to help. Taiwan can help is another hashtag. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but this is great because it's coming from the United States government. That's interesting. And um, they've even su- tweeted about support in the United Nations. Wow. So um, now China, of course, has expressed, quote, strong indignation and firm opposition. Okay. Um, that's um, because there was also a tweet from the U.S. mission to the United Nations. So um, they had said that the U.N. is was founded to serve all voices. And it said, barring Taiwan from setting foot on UN grounds is an affront not just to the proud Taiwanese people, but to UN principles. Right. And I think the thing to remember also is that uh, what what we're asking for is observer status, which is not the same as membership. I don't think anyone is... We're not pushing that, that far yet. That's right. no. We're not. So it's kind of like we can't even be in the room. Right. We want to be there to, to exchange ideas, to share our experience to... Um, I'm like the Oprah of masks these days. You get a mask. And you get true. 7 million masks. And <laughs> it's really... Uh, I mean, Taiwan has done a lot right. And we started when we didn't even really have enough to go around for ourselves. Another thing that I think is very, I don't know, noble of them, they've taken a very different route than I would have, which is why it's good that we have the people in charge that we do, I guess. But, I mean, we used to just produce about 1.4 million a day, and now we're doing about 10 times that amount. Right. So that's so, enough for everyone in Taiwan and more. When I think about the like sorts of things that diplomatic organs like the State Department do, I guess we do live in a, a new age and I guess government agencies having to adapt to our social media era. But that's certain things like strong opposition and strongly condemned. Those are the sorts of things you would expect them to come out with at the U.S. State Department as well, not a hashtag campaign. It's interesting yeah, that, that is they're interesting. seizing onto this. They're using social media. It's kind of a new thing. It's kind of... Fun. I yeah. mean, you know, I think it has been trending the past few days. It started last Friday. And so there's about uh, half a month, two weeks left or so before um, the right. WHO. And a couple of member states have put us on the agenda. We don't know which ones, though. We don't know which ones. <laughs> it's so a secret, apparently. Maybe it is the U.S. You I know? imagine it might be. Um the other, you know, wouldn't it be kind of like anticlimactic for this to be the breakthrough year, though? Because it's not even happening, really. It's an, I mean, it is, but it's an online conference. We're not going to show up and push open oh, the doors and be like, we're it, here. It makes it easier to show up, right? Just I guess like, so. Just... But I, I think everyone, what everyone here was imagining is that if it were to happen one day, it would be like a d- d- dramatic end of a film. You know, they'd push open the doors and say, here Here's we are. <laughs> We've entered the room. <laughs> So I think a lot of people are eager to talk to Taiwan as well. I think, well, people are talking to Taiwan from what I understand. And and working with us to develop vaccines and drugs and, or medical supplies, you know, there's a lot that we can be involved with um, along with other countries. And I think the other, again, very high minded thing that they're doing is, is, is it's really saying that this is not a political thing. You can have your differences, but just, We should put politics aside when it comes to health. Right. And, you know, that's what I think that our president has done very well with. And even quite a few female leaders have been able to do that. Right. I I mean, I don't mean to say that um, it might be easier for females to, to see that. Some because, have suggested that. Because, um, you know, there's there's just less power play. I mean, we think about the consequences of, of a pandemic and you mm. just want to contain it instead of thinking of all the political consequences of, you know, involved. I'm trying to remember the name. It was a Dutch publication that I think first brought that to light. I think that's where the Angela Merkel comparison first happened, wasn't Was that right? Right, and well, actually quite a few magazines like uh, Forbes and Time Magazine. Other magazines have, have you know, highlighted the fact mm. that 
some of the best responses around the world um, among national leaders have been from women. Right. So. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have some friends. It's nice. Yes. Yeah, it's good. So hopefully uh, Taiwan will be able to participate in the WHA. You can check out that campaign. Hashtag tweet for Taiwan. <laughs> I'm just imagining like, is it going to be on a Zoom conference? Everyone's like, hello, hello, hello. Can I you hear guess me? so. <laughs> hundred, almost 200 countries. No one can figure out how to put I it mean, on gallery like, view. I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Okay, so uh, we have this new campaign, Stopping Speeding with a Smile. Tell us about this. Oh, this is kind of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit sad, but a lot of people, there are statistics here. It doesn't say where they're from, but it says that around 30% of drivers fail to slow down when they're going through school zones. Oh, my goodness. And there's posted signs. So, um, so what's going to happen in a few selected elementary schools, and that sort of those school zones in Taoyuan, is they're going to have sort of an LED sign and it can sort of has, it has this, like a speedometer attached and it can tell how fast you're going. And if you are below the indicated speed limit of 30 kilometers per hour, you get a smiley face. It'll it's light up in the LED. No, oh. it's a green smiley face. And there's a red crying face if you don't, if you speed. So, so. is this at the stop light or um, it's just like somewhere in the area? It's along the road. That way, because if you're at a stoplight, you're probably stopped. Oh, that's true. It doesn't say they blow the red lights, fortunately. It just, they should be driving more slowly as they continue to drive. That's interesting. So it's a psychological, they want to guilt you into... Well, they should. I think some people, that has not been um, ingrained in uh, driver's education here, which mm. a lot of good practices, I think, have not been ingrained that's in sad. driver's minds. Mm. So... Well, I think uh, the, 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 what's interesting, though, is that it's a purely psychological thing. The speeds registered on the signs, according to this article, will not, at least at first, be used to find motorists. So it's not a speed trap camera. It's just a psychological, you want to get a smiley face, right? It's a so, reminder, actually. Right. And uh, although, uh, apparently, it, the may, they may eventually be connected to Taoyuan's police department as a way of tracking, <laughs> tracking down on speeding, if it, if it does sort of fail well, to work. whatever needs to be done i think is worth it so and, and there it's again just two schools for now two school zones but they're thinking about expanding them it's an experimental thing so um, <sighs> they're looking especially to maybe expand to sort of neighborhoods dangerous sections of road there's a lot of accident prone areas um and yeah the the Taoyuan's department of transportation is hoping that uh at least drivers near Dolmen Elementary School and Gaorong Elementary School will uh, maybe slow down a bit and take a moment to think about their driving. We hope that. I mean, some people may not even be aware there's an elementary school in the area, you know, if they're they just signs, passing by. But they? they, you know, drivers should be more careful. Mm. So, all right. Well, that's a step in the right direction. So tell us about this python discovered on the street, was it? Yeah, it was sort of like an empty lot in in a part of Miaoli County that's a bit rural, but uh, not the sort of place where you would find one of these snakes. And I'm going to try and say this correctly. These, don't get mad at me, you snake Expert. experts out there. I think they're called herpetologists. They're called 
Pateraless, or Golden Burmese Python. That's easier. Uh, they can grow up to seven meters long, and they're not native to Taiwan. So the idea is that it either ran away from someone or it was an abandoned pet. Now these apparently, and I'm not a snake fan, but it says here they have a gentle nature, this particular snake. Oh, uh, but it looked gigantic, three meters long, right? And very thick. Yeah, they don't apparently bother people too much. Um, I'd be scared to death if I saw that Oh yeah, in but person. Apparently they're, as far as snakes go, common as pets. Really? However, some owners abandon them when they grow to a large size, which is... That's I not can imagine nice. that. I mean, it's, it's weird to have something so... But you should know what you're getting your into home. beforehand, right? Like, That's don't true. Do your homework before you get a pet. Uh, a lot of people don't, sadly. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, the firefighters, oh my goodness, it was a struggle to, to get this thing out of the lot. So it was alive. They thought it was dead at first because it was laying very still, of course, under the hot sun like snakes do, though. So it was alive and it took how many, how many people? Three adults, three firefighters to hoist it it's about three meters long and they loaded it into a plastic bucket and found that it weighed more than 60 kilograms which would make this get get this the largest snake ever caught in Miaoli county huh, and firefighters catch a lot of snakes here hmm. 60 well, kilograms that's like a full-grown person it took three people to move it um that's still scary yeah they've yeah, we've had uh, them come to remove snakes here before remember a couple months back not inside our Not station. inside, but outside. Certainly. Really? You know, the backyard where, you know, people I don't remember that. like to socialize sometimes. There are snakes, big snakes or little ones? It was a small one, but I think that was a, probably a more aggressive kind. It had that sort of warning coloration. Oh, dear. Like yeah. the, they they can, some of them are poisonous. You know, you don't want to get yeah, any snakes. Yeah, so, I mean, firefighters are catching snakes all the time here in Taiwan. They're sort of firefighters slash animal control, you can almost think <laughs> of them that way. But, man... I think that uh, even for this them... This one takes the cake, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what they're going to do, though. Like, how do you... I hope they I don't, don't like, they do destroy it. it, you know, like they do. I, I don't think so. But if there's no one to care for it... Anyway, they say they're going to put it around for two days. If no one claims it, it's going to be sent to an animal shelter, which... <laughs> See who wants a snake? Uh, I don't know. It's. Uh, I mean, who in Taiwan can have something of that size? Which is, again, why we should probably do our homework before we have pets, because... <laughs> okay, that's a good thing How big learn. are they going to get? <laughs> I'm not a fan of snakes, but a bit sad. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. story about abandoned statues not just abandoned snakes we have abandoned statues tell us about this yes specifically statues of the gods they are uh popular in both temples also you see them in homes and uh in businesses sometimes too like restaurants will have them and there's a whole pantheon here in taiwan Unfortunately, uh, lots of them get discarded, and uh, this is a story from the AFP about a man in Taoyuan, actually a, a man who himself was trained in carving these statues, it's a sort of a sadly dying art form, it's very, very beautiful, called uh, Lin Xinlai, 
And he has a four-story shop that is crammed with and crammed and crammed with statues. And most of them are thrown away. He fixes them up for some people, but uh, he finds that more and more people are getting rid of them than want to adopt one, as it were. Um, so over it's been going on for four decades, and he has saved about 20,000 statues by his own estimates in this story. Fortunately, as he says, uh, it's not as bad as it was 30 years ago. That was a period when vandalized statues were routinely dumped by gamblers, apparently. They were praying for luck. And he says, you know, nine out of ten of them are going to lose. With them. There's just the odds. And so they would be like, angry gamblers would be like defacing and yeah. cutting up these statues. <laughs> and he'd find them. And so they're not like dumb so often, but people will now instead just call him and be like, because they've heard of him by now. You don't, I mean, you get a, you make a name eventually with a collection like that um, to pick them up. And, you know, people who have converted to another religion or they're not religious at all, they don't want their parent statues, these young people, you know, and business owners and temples that go bust are another common source. So um, at one point, there was a collector who passed away and he had to bring in 700 statues at once, apparently. He wants to find new homes for all of them. And he's had some good memories, uh, helping fix them up for people who just needed, a, you know, they wanted to keep them. Maybe they found them and just said, can you help me? Uh, but he's only given away 3,000, which is about 15% of all the. That oh, he my has. gosh. He has tons. I and wonder why he keeps them all. They keep coming in and he doesn't even have space to fill them anymore. Um, people, it's gotten to the point where it's sort of a museum. School trips show up. He loans them to people who want to create a temple scene for a film. So is this a business? No, I think he just, it's his passion. It's like the, he's his trade. What he studied as he's, an apprentice was learning how to make them. And they're very intricate. They have costumes. It's much like the puppetry that we have here too. There's hair. Um, and it's the knowledge of how to make them um, is, is dying out. He had 20 other apprentices with him when he started out learning this craft That's at the lot. age of 17. Only one other from his class that is still doing it still doing it and uh no one else is learning young people aren't learning so it's it is a museum piece um he's going to actually open a gallery displaying 1000 statues oh my gosh near where he lives um just well he's found a niche for himself huh yeah and he says you know as a child he had polio as many people of his generation did i think he's in his 60s now and uh so he has limited physical strength to like carry them and move stuff around they're somewhat heavy some of them well, but, it's good he's making good use of his, um, you know, profession, his interest. Right. And, and and he does make some money. There are some ceremonies you can do, and he charges for that to, like, I guess, I, I, I think don't he think he's should active. make money off of this. It's a, it's a good niche. You know, it's, have, it's also his craft, right? I have a, a beautifully illustrated book that I bought to just, like, I bought when I came here to, like, try. I'm not sure if it's in print anymore, but it's an American collector of these statues. who used to be, I think, a diplomat posted here, and... Uh, he just explains what each one is, what people believe about them. It's very interesting. And I think, yeah, it's a pres- preserving a bit of culture for the Yes, next. definitely. And tell us the latest with new Taiwanese citizens. We have a couple minutes left. Tell All right. Um, so last year, a total of 3,438 people, uh, not ex- including, you know, high, those fancy people who can have dual nationality. <laughs> they abandoned their original nationality to become Taiwanese, mostly because they were either children or married to Taiwanese. And uh, the majority of them, as you might expect, came from Vietnam, the Philippines, and Indonesia. So they have to abandon their original nationality. I would too. I'm not a fancy person with who's would won you? a Nobel Prize. You're a US yeah, citizen. Well, yeah, well, no, but you have to if you wanted to become Taiwanese and haven't won a Nobel Prize or mm. something like that. Oh, I see. Uh, Andrew yeah, could probably honorary. Andrew would make the cut. <laughs> They'd let him in, but I'm borderline. I don't know. 
you have to win an Olympic gold medal or something like that. No, for you know, it's pretty. It's it's kind of hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. The to bar get is high. An honorary citizenship. <laughs> oh no, it's very much real. It's passport everything. Oh. So. Yeah, but um, these are many of our newest immigrants. You put it that way, right? The numbers go up and down. It's very interesting that in 2000 there were more than 7,000 new immigrants, and they've gone up and down since then, along with laws and other developments. So it's interesting to watch. But again,、uh, mostly people from Southeast Asia who either want to become like a local, like their spouse, or the, you know, they're either children who, for whatever reason, didn't acquire it.、So、oh, interesting. Yeah. Great. So we're becoming more and more diverse here in Taiwan. That's true. It's That's, true. I like that. You know? Yeah. It's good for our food scene too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for here in Taiwan, and do stay tuned for Ear to the Ground and Just the Classics for here in Taiwan. I'm Natalie So. I'm John Van Trieste. And we'll see you next time. Bye. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to Just Classics, our weekly look into some aspect of Taiwan's musical heritage. I'm Paula Chow, your program host. Today, I'm going to feature three guqing pieces, music that people don't get to hear on the radio often. Guqing, or the Chinese zither, is an ancient musical instrument. It is about three feet long, and it consists of a flat wooden sound box with seven strings attached across. The instrument is placed horizontally and played with the fingers. Unlike other ancient Chinese musical instruments, guqing occupied a unique place in Chinese history, especially for literati. In ancient times, scholars were expected to learn and master four arts: guqing, calligraphy, painting, and an ancient form of chess. Even Confucius himself spent a tremendous amount of time learning how to play the musical instrument. Guqing pieces are mostly about nature. The piece you're listening right now is called "Flowing Water" by Guan Pinghu, a well-known musician.
That was flowing water, a guqin piece by Guan Pinghu. Guqin is an ancient musical instrument with seven strings. In today's Taiwan, guqin playing is not popular at all, and there are few guqin teachers, let alone students. In 2003, the UNESCO chose guqin as intangible cultural heritage. The UNESCO said guqin is inseparable from Chinese intellectual history, and guqin playing developed. As an elite art form practiced by noblemen and scholars. Now, the second piece I'm going to feature in today's program is called High Mountain. It was played by Yao Bingyan.
You're listening to Just the Classics, our weekly look into some aspect of Taiwan's musical heritage. I'm Paula Chow, your program host. Today, we are introducing you to Gu Qin pieces. The last piece I'm going to play is called Plum Blossoms. It is actually a Gu Qin and bamboo flute piece. In Chinese culture, plum blossoms have long been a symbol of integrity and perseverance. That's mostly because the flower is in full bloom in cold weather.
And that's all we have for this week's edition of Just the Classics for Radio Taiwan International. I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.